Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're continuing our reading of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We're now in the dead center of chapter 14, prayers offered by Lord Brahma to Lord Krishna. Lord Brahma, therefore, compared himself to a little child within the womb of his mother. Lord Brahma then said that his birth was from the lotus flower which blossomed from the navel of Narayan after the dissolution of the three worlds or the three planetary systems known as Bhur Loka, Bhuvar Loka and Swar Loka. The universe is divided into three divisions namely Swarga, Martya and Patala. These three planetary systems are merged into water at the time of dissolution. At that time Narayana a plenary portion of Krishna lies down on the water and gradually a lotus stem grows from his navel and from that lotus flower Brahma is born. It is naturally concluded that the mother of Brahma is Narayana because the Lord is the resting place of all living entities after the dissolution of the universe. He is called Narayana. The word Nara means the aggregate total of all living entities and Ayana means a resting place. The form of Garbhadakshai Vishnu is called Narayana because he rests himself on that water. In addition, he is the resting place of all living creatures. Beside that, Narayana is also present in everyone's heart as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. In that sense, also, the Lord is Narayana as Ayana means the source of knowledge as well as the resting place. It is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita that the remembrance of the living entity is due to the presence of the Supersoul within the heart. After changing the body, a living creature forgets everything of his past life. But because Narayana, the Supersoul, is present within his heart, he is reminded by him to act according to his past desire. <clears throat> Lord Brahma wanted to prove that Krishna is the original Narayana that he is the source of Narayana and that Narayana is not an exhibition of the external energy. Maya, but is an expansion of spiritual energy. The activities of the external energy or Maya are exhibited after the creation of this cosmic world and the original spiritual energy of Narayana was acting before the creation. So the expansions of Narayana from Narayana to Karnadakshai Vishnu, from Karnadakshai Vishnu to Karbadakshai Vishnu, from Karbadakshai Vishnu to Shiradakshai Vishnu, and from Shiradakshai Vishnu to everyone's heart are actually Krishna's expansions, the manifestations of his spiritual energy. They are not conducted by the material energy, therefore they are not temporary. Anything conducted by the material energy is temporary, 
but everything executed by the spiritual energy is eternal. Lord Brahma reconfirmed his statement establishing Krishna as the original Narayana. He said that the Lord's gigantic universal form is resting on the water known as Garbhadak. He spoke as follows, This gigantic universal form is another manifestation of your energy. On account of his resting on the water, this universal form is also Narayana, and we are all within the womb of this Narayana form. I see your different Narayana forms everywhere. I can see you on the water. I can feel you within my heart. And I can also see you before me now. You are the original Narayana. My dear Lord, in this incarnation you have proved that you are the supreme controller of Maya. You remain within the cosmic manifestation and yet the whole creation is within you. This fact has already been proved by you when you exhibited the whole universal creation within your mouth before your mother, Yashoda. By your inconceivable potency of Yoga Maya, you can affect such things without external help. My dear Lord Krishna, the whole cosmic manifestation that we are visualizing at present is all within your body. Yet I am seeing you outside, and you are also seeing me outside. How can such things happen without being influenced by your inconceivable energy? Lord Brahma stressed herein that without accepting the inconceivable energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one cannot explain things as they are. He continued, My dear Lord, leaving aside all other things and just considering today's happenings, what I have seen, are, are they not all due to your inconceivable energies? First of all, I saw you alone. Thereafter, you expanded yourself as your cowherd boyfriends, the calves, and the whole existence of Vrindavan. Then I saw you and all the boys and calves as four-handed <coughs> Vishnus, and they were being worshipped by all elements and all demigods, including myself. Again, they were all wound up, and you remained alone as you were before. Does this not mean that you are the Supreme Lord Narayana? the origin of everything, that everything emanates from you and again enters into you, leaving you the same as before? Persons who are unaware of your inconceivable energy cannot understand that you alone expand yourself as the creator, Brahma, the maintainer, Vishnu, and the annihilator, Shiva. Persons who are not in awareness of things as they are contemplate that I, Brahma, am the creator, Vishnu is the maintainer, and Lord Shiva is the annihilator. Actually, you alone are everything, creator, maintainer, and annihilator. Similarly, you expand yourself in different incarnations. Among the demigods, you incarnate as Vamanadev. Among the great sages, you incarnate as Parusharama. Among the human beings, you appear as yourself, Lord Krishna, or as Lord Rama. Among the animals, you appear as the boar incarnation, and among the aquatics, you appear as the fish incarnation. And yet, you have no appearance or disappearance. You are always eternal. Your appearance and disappearance are made possible by your inconceivable energy just to give protection to the faithful devotees and to annihilate the faithless demons. O my Lord, O all-pervading Supreme Personality of Godhead, O Super Soul, controller of all mystic powers, 
no one can appreciate your transcendental pastimes as they are exhibited within these three worlds. No one can estimate how you have expanded your yoga maya and your incarnations and how you act by your transcendental energy. My dear Lord, this whole cosmic manifestation is just like a flashing dream and its temporary existence simply disturbs the mind. As a result, we are full of anxiety in this existence. To live within this material world means simply to suffer and to be full of all miseries. And yet, this temporary existence of the material world appears to be pleasing and dear on account of its having evolved from your body, which is eternal and full of bliss and knowledge. <clears throat> My conclusion is, therefore, that you are the Supreme Soul, the Absolute Truth, and the Supreme Original Person. And although by your inconceivable transcendental potencies you have expanded yourself in so many Vishnu forms, and also in the living entities and other energies, you are the Supreme One without a second, the Supreme Super Soul. The innumerable living entities are simply like sparks of the original fire, your Lordship. The conception of the Supersoul as impersonal is wrong because I see that you are the original person. Persons with a poor fund of knowledge may think that because you are the son of Maharaj Nanda, you are not the original person, that you are born just like a human being. They are mistaken. You are the actual, original person. That is my conclusion. In spite of your being the son of Nanda, you are the original person, and there is no doubt about it. You are the absolute truth, and you are not of this material darkness. You are the source of the original Brahma Jyoti, as well as the material luminaries, the sun, moon, and stars. Your transcendental effulgence is identical with the Brahma Jyoti. As it is described in the Brahma Sangita, the Brahma Jyoti is nothing but your personal bodily effulgence. There are many Vishnu incarnations and incarnations of your different qualities, but all those incarnations are not on the same level. You are the original lamp. Other incarnations may possess the same candle power, as the original lamp, but the original lamp is the beginning of all light. And because you are not one of the creations of this material world, even after the annihilation of this world, your existence as you are will continue. Because you are the original person, you are described in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, as well as in the Brahma Sangita, as Govindam Adipurusham. Govinda is the original person, the cause of all causes. In the Bhagavad Gita also, it is stated that you are the source of the Brahman, Brahman effulgence. <clears throat> no one should conclude that your body is like an ordinary material body. Your body is akshara, indestructible. The material body is always full of threefold miseries, but your body is Satchidananda Bigraha, full of bliss, knowledge, 
and eternality. You are also Niranjana because your pastimes as the little son of Mother Yashoda or the lover of the gopis are never contaminated by the material qualities. And although you, ex and although you exhibited yourself in so many cowherd boys and calves, your transcendental potency was not reduced. You are always complete, as it is described in the Vedic literature, even, in the, even if the complete is taken away from the complete, the Supreme Absolute Truth, it remains the complete Supreme Absolute Truth. And although many expansions from the complete are visible, the complete is one without a second. Since, your, since all your pastimes are spiritual, there is no possibility of their being contaminated by the material modes of nature. When you place yourself as subordinate to your father and mother, Nanda and Yashoda, you are not reduced in your potency. This is an expression of your loving attitude toward your devotees. There is no second identity to compete with you. A person with a poor fund of knowledge concludes that your appearance and pastimes are simply material designations. You are transcendental to both nations and knowledge, as it is confirmed in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad. You are the original, you are the original Amrita, indestructible nectar of immortality. As confirmed in the Vedas, Amritam Shaswatam Brahma. Brahman is, is the eternal, the supreme origin of everything, who has no birth or death. In the Upanishads, it is stated that the supreme Brahman is as effulgence as the sun and is the origin of everything. And then anyone who can understand that original person becomes liberated from material conditioned life. Anyone who can simply be attached to you by devotional service, can know your actual position, birth, appearance, disappearance, and activities. As confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, simply by understanding your constitutional position, appearance and disappearance, one can immediately, one can be immediately elevated to the spiritual kingdom after quitting this present body. Therefore, to cover over the ocean, therefore, to cross over the ocean of material nations, an intelligent person takes shelter of your lotus feet and is easily transferred to the spiritual world. There are many so-called meditators who do not know that you are the Supreme Soul. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, you are the Supreme Soul present in everyone's heart. Therefore, there is no necessity of one's meditating on something beyond you. One who is always absorbed in meditation on your original form of Krishna easily crosses over the ocean of material existence. But persons who do not know that you are the Supreme Soul remain within this material world in spite of their so-called meditation. If by the association of your devotees a person comes to the knowledge that Lord Krishna is the original Supersoul, then it is possible for him to cross over the ocean of material existence. 
For instance, when a person mistakes a rope for a snake, he is filled with fear. But as soon as he understands that the rope is not a snake, he is liberated from fear. If one understands you, therefore, through your personal teachings, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, or through the teachings of your pure devotees, as stated in Srimad Bhagavatam, and all other Vedic scriptures, if one realizes that you are the ultimate goal of understanding, he need no longer fear this material existence. So-called liberation and bondage have no meaning for a person who was already engaged in your devotional service. Just as a rope is not fearful to a person who knows that it is not a snake. A devotee knows that this material world belongs to you and he therefore engages everything in your transcendental loving service. Thus there is no bondage for him. For a person who is already situated in the sun planet, there is no question of the appearance or disappearance of the sun in the name of day or night. It is also said that you, Krishna, are like the sun and that maya is like darkness. When the sun is present, there is no question of darkness. So, for those who always remain in your presence by engaging in your service, there is no question of bondage or liberation. They are already liberated. On the other hand, persons who falsely think themselves to be liberated without taking shelter of your lotus feet, fall down because their intelligence is not pure. If one therefore thinks that the Supersoul is something different from your personality and thus searches out the Supersoul or the Supreme Brahman somewhere else in the forest or in the caves of the Himalayas, his condition is very lamentable. Your teachings in the Bhagavad Gita are that one should give up all other processes of self-realization and simply surrender unto you, for that is complete. Because you are the supreme in every respect, those who are searching after the Brahman effulgence are also searching after you. And those who are searching after super-soul realization are also searching after you. You state in, Bhagavad, in the Bhagavad Gita that you yourself by your partial rep you state in the Bhagavad Gita that you yourself by your partial representation as the super soul have entered into this material cosmic manifestation you are present as in everyone's heart and there is no need to search out the super soul anywhere else if someone does so he is simply in ignorance. One who is transcendental to such a position understands that you are liberate, unlimited. Read that again. One who is transcendental to such a position understands that you are unlimited. You are both within and without. Therefore your presence is everywhere. Instead of searching for the super soul anywhere else, a devotee simply concentrates his mind on you within. Actually, one who is liberated from the material concept of life can search for you. Others cannot. The example of 
thinking the rope to be a snake is applicable only to those who are still in ignorance of you. Actually, when one mistakes a rope for a snake, the existence of the snake is only within the mind. The existence of maya, similarly, is only within the mind. Maya is nothing but ignorance of your personality. When one forgets your personality, that is the conditioned state of maya. Shall I say that again? You don't mind if I say that again? When one forgets your personality, that is the conditioned state of maya. Therefore, one who is fixed upon you internally and externally is not illusioned. One who has attained a little result of devotional service can understand your glories. Even when striving for Brahman realization or Paramatma realization cannot understand these features of your personality unless you bestow upon him the result of at least a slight bit of devotional service. One may be the spiritual master of many impersonalists, or he may go to the forest or to a mountain cave and meditate as a hermit for many, many years. But he cannot understand your glories without being favored by a slight degree of devotional service. Brahman realization or Paramatma realization are also not possible even after one searches for many, many years unless one is touched by the wonderful effect of devotional service. Therefore, my Lord, I pray that I may be so fortunate that in this life or in another life, whenever, wherever I may take my birth, I may be counted as one of your devotees. Wherever I may be, I pray that I may be engaged in your devotional service. I do not even care what form of life I get in the future, because I can see that even in the form of cows and calves or cowherd boys, the devotees are so fortunate to be always engaged in your transcendental loving service and association. Therefore, I wish to be one of them instead of such an exalted person as I am now, for I am full of ignorance. The gopis and cows of Vrindavan are so fortunate that they have been able to supply their breast milk to you. Persons who are engaged in performing great sacrifices and offering many valuable goats in sacrifice cannot attain the perfection of understanding you. But simply by devotional service, these innocent village women and cows are all able to satisfy you with their milk. You have drunk their milk to satisfaction, yet you are never satisfied as much by those engaged in performing sacrifices. I am simply surprised, therefore, with the fortunate position of Maharaj Nanda, Mother Yashoda, and the cowherd men and gopis, because you, the Supreme Personality of God of the Absolute Truth, are existing here as their most intimate, lovable object. My dear Lord, no one can actually appreciate the good fortune of these residents of Vrindavan. We are all demigods, controlling deities of the various senses of the living entities, and we are proud of enjoying such privileges. But actually, there is no comparison between our position and the position of these fortunate residents of Vrindavan, because they are actually relishing your presence and enjoying your association by dint of their sensory activities. We may be proud of being controllers of the senses, 
But here, the residents of Vrindavan are so transcendental that they are not under our control. Actually, they are enjoying their senses through service to you. I shall therefore consider myself fortunate to be given a chance to take birth in this land of Vrindavan in any of my future lives. My dear Lord, I am therefore not interested in either material opulences or liberation. I am most humbly praying at your lotus feet for you to please give me any sort of birth within this Vrindavan forest so that I may be able to be favored by the dust of the feet of some of the devotees of Vrindavan. If I am given the chance to grow as a humble blade of grass in this land, that would be a glorious birth for me. But if I am not so fortunate to take birth within the forest of Vrindavan, I beg to be allowed to take birth outside the immediate area of Vrindavan so that when the devotees go out, they will walk over me. Even that would be a great, great fortune for me. I am just aspiring for a birth in which I will be smeared by the dust of the devotees' feet because I can see that everyone here is simply full of Krishna consciousness. No one here knows anything but the lotus feet of Krishna or Mukunda, for which the Vedas themselves are searching. It is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita that the purpose of Vedic knowledge is to find Krishna. And it is said in the Brahma Sanghita that it is very difficult to find Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by systematic reading of the Vedic literature. But he is very easily available through the mercy of a pure devotee. The pure devotees of Vrindavan are fortunate because they can see Mukunda, Lord Krishna, all the time. This word Mukunda can be understood in two ways. Muk means liberation. Lord Krishna can give liberation and therefore transcendental bliss. The word also refers to his smiling face, which is just like the Kunda flower. Mukha means face. The Kunda flower is very beautiful and it appears to be smiling. Thus, the comparison is made. The difference between the pure devotees of Vrindavan and devotees in other places is that the residents of Vrindavan have no other desire but to be associated with Krishna. Krishna, being very kind to his devotees, fulfills their desire because they always want Krishna's association. The Lord is always prepared to give it to them. The devotees of Vrindavan are also spontaneous lovers. They are not required to strictly follow regulative principles because they are already naturally developed in transcendental love for Krishna. Regulative principles are required for persons who have not achieved such a position of spontaneous love. Brahma is also a devotee of the Lord, but he is an ordinary devotee subject to following regulative principles. He prays to Krishna to give him the chance to take birth in Vrindavan so that he might be elevated to the platform of spontaneous love. Lord Brahma continued, My Lord, sometimes I am puzzled as to how your Lordship will be able to repay in gratitude the devotional service of these residents of Vrindavan. Although I know that you are the supreme source of all benediction, I am puzzled to know how you will be able to repay all the service that you are receiving from these residents of Vrindavan. 
I think of you, I think of how you were so kind, so magnanimous, that even Putana, who came to cheat you by dressing herself as a very affectionate mother, was awarded liberation and the actual post of a mother. And other demons belonging to the same family, such as Agasura and Bakasura, were also favored with liberation and achieved you. Under the circumstances, I am puzzled. These residents of Vrindavan have given you everything. Their bodies, their minds, their love, their homes, their possessions. Everything is being utilized for your purpose. So how will you be able to repay your debt to them? You have already given yourself to Putana. I surmise that you shall ever remain a debtor to the residents of Vrindavan being unable to repay their loving service. My Lord, I can understand that the super-excellent quality of the service rendered by the residents of Vrindavan is due to their spontaneously engaging all natural instincts in your loving service. It is said that attachment for material objects and home is due to illusion, which makes a living entity conditioned in the material world. But this is only the case for persons who are not Krishna conscious. In the case of the residents of Vrindavan, such obstructions as attachment to hearth and home are non-existent because their attachment has been directed unto you and their homes have been converted into temples by your constant presence there and because they have forgotten everything for your sake, there is no impediment. For a Krishna conscious person, there is no such thing as impediments due to attachment for hearth and home, nor is there illusion. I can also understand that your appearance as a small cowherd boy, a child of the cowherd men, is not at all a material activity. You are so much obliged by their affection that you are here to inspire them with more loving service by your transcendental presence. In Vrindavan there is no distinction between material and spiritual because everything is dedicated to your loving service. My dear Lord, your Vrindavan pastimes are simply to inspire your devotees. If someone takes your Vrindavan pastimes to be material, he will be misled. My dear Lord Krishna, those who deride you claiming that you have a, a material body like an ordinary man are described in the Bhagavad Gita as demoniac and less intelligent. You are always transcendental. The non-devotees are cheated because they consider you to be a material creation. Actually, you have assumed this body which exactly resembles that of an ordinary cowherd boy simply to increase the devotion and transcendental bliss of your devotees. My dear Lord, I have nothing to say about people who advertise that they, are, that they have already realized God or that by their realization they have themselves become God. But as far as I am concerned, I, I admit frankly that for me it is not possible to realize you by my body, mind or speech. What can I say about you 
Or how can I realize you by my senses? I cannot even think of you perfectly with my mind, which is the master of the senses. Your qualities, your activities, and your body cannot be conceived of by any person within this material world. Only by your mercy can one understand, to some extent, what you are. My dear Lord, although you are the Supreme Lord of all creation, I sometimes falsely think that I am the master of this universe. I may be the master of this universe, but there are innumerable universes, and there are also innumerable Brahmas who preside over these universes. But actually, you are the master of them all. As the Supersoul in everyone's heart, you know everything. Please, therefore, accept me as your surrendered servant. I hope that you will excuse me for committing the great offense of disturbing you in your pastimes with your friends and calves. Now, if you will kindly allow me, I will immediately leave so you can enjoy your friends and calves without my presence. My dear Lord Krishna, your very name suggests that you are all attractive. The attraction of the sun and the moon are all due to you. By the attraction of the sun, you are beautifying the very existence of the Yadu dynasty. With the attraction of the moon, you are enhancing the potency of the land, the demigods, the brahmanas, the cows, and the oceans. Because of your supreme attraction, demons like Kangsa and cows, the cows, because of your supreme attraction, demons like Kangsa and others are annihilated. Therefore, it is my deliberate conclusion that you are the only worshipable deity within the creation. Accept my humble obeisances until the annihilation of this material world. As long as there is sunshine within this material world, kindly accept my humble obeisances. In this way, Brahma, the master of this universe, after offering humble and respectful obeisances under the Supreme Personality of Godhead and circumambulating him three times was ready to return to his abode known as Brahmaloka. By his gesture the Supreme Personality of Godhead gave him permission to return. As soon as Brahma left Lord Sri Krishna immediately returned to the bank of the Yamuna and rejoined his calves and cowherd boyfriends who were situated just as they had been on the very day when they vanished. Krishna had left his friends on the bank of the Yamuna while they were engaged in lunch and although he returned exactly one year later the cowherd boys thought that he, he had returned within a second. That is the way Krishna's different energies act. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that Krishna himself is residing in everyone's heart and that he causes both remembrance and forgetfulness. All living entities are controlled by the supreme energy of the Lord and sometimes they remember and sometimes they forget their constitutional position. His friends, being controlled in such a way, could not understand that for one year, whole year, 
they were absent from the Yamuna's bank and were, and were under the spell of Brahma's illusion. When Krishna appeared before the boys, they thought, Krishna has returned within a minute. They began to laugh, thinking that Krishna was not willing to leave their lunchtime company. They were very jubilant and invited him. Dear friend Krishna, you have come back so quickly. All right, we have not as yet begun our lunch, not even taken one morsel of food. So please, come and join us and let us eat together. Krishna smiled and accepted their invitation and he began to enjoy the lunchtime company of his friends. While eating, Krishna was thinking, these boys believe that I have come back within a second, but they do not know that for the last year I have been involved with the mystic activities of Lord Brahma. After finishing their lunch, Krishna and his friends, the calves, began to return to their Brajabhumi homes. While passing, they enjoyed seeing the dead carcass of a gasura in the shape of a gigantic serpent. When Krishna returned home to Brajabhumi, he was seen by all the inhabitants of Vrindavan. He was wearing a peacock feather in his helmet, which was also decorated with forest flowers. Krishna was also garlanded with flowers and painted with different colored minerals collected from the caves of Govardhan Hill. Govardhan Hill is always famous for supplying natural red oxides and Krishna and his friends painted their bodies with them. Each of them had a bugle made of buffalo horn and a stick and a flute and each called their his respective calves by their particular names. The cowherd boys were so proud of Krishna's wonderful activities that while entering the village, they all sang his glories. All the gopis in Vrindavan saw beautiful Krishna entering the village. The boys compo composed nice songs describing how they were saved from being swallowed by the great serpent and how the serpent was killed. Some described Krishna as the son of Yashoda and others as the son of Nanda Maharaj. He is so wonderful that he saved us from the clutches of the great serpent and killed him, they said. But little did they know that one year, at, one year had passed since the killing of Agasura. In this regard, Maharaj Prikshit asked Shukadev Goswami how the inhabitants of Vrindavan suddenly developed so much love for Krishna, although he was not a member of any of their families. Maharaj Prichard inquired, During the absence of the original cowherd boys, when Krishna expanded himself, why is it that the boys' parents became more loving toward him than toward their own sons? Also, why did the cows become so loving toward the calves more than toward their own calves? Shukadev Goswami told Maharaj Prichard that every living entity is actually most attached to his own self. Outward paraphernalia such as home, family, friends, country, society, wealth, opulence and reputation are all only secondary in pleasing the living entity. They please only because they bring pleasure to the self. For this reason, one is self-centered and is attached to his body and self 
more than he is to relatives like wife, children, and friends. If there is some immediate danger to one's own person, he first of all takes care of himself, then others. That is natural. That means he loves his own self more than anything else. The next important object of affection after his own self is his material body. A person who has no information of the spirit soul is very much attached to his material body, so much so that even in old age he wants to preserve the body in so many artificial ways, thinking that his old and broken body can be saved. Everyone is working hard day and night just to give pleasure to his own self under either the bodily or spiritual concept of life. Everyone is working hard day and night just to give pleasure to his own self under either the bodily or spiritual concept of life. We are attached to material possessions because they give pleasure to the senses or to the body. The attachment to the body is there only because the I, the spirit soul, is within the body. Similarly, when one is further advanced, he knows that the spirit soul is pleasing because it is part and parcel of Krishna. Ultimately, it is Krishna who is pleasing and all attractive. He is the super soul of everything. And in order to give us this information, Krishna descends and tells us that the all-attractive center is He Himself. Without being an expansion of Krishna, nothing can be attractive. Whatever is attractive within the cosmic manifestation is due to Krishna. Krishna is therefore the reservoir of all pleasure. The active principle of everything is Krishna and highly elevated transcendentalists see everything in connection with Him. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is stated that a Mahabhagavata, a highly advanced devotee, sees Krishna as the active principle in all moving and non-moving living entities. Therefore, he sees everything within this cosmic manifestation in relation to Krishna. For the fortunate person who has taken shelter of Krishna as everything, liberation is already there. He is no longer in the material world. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. Whoever is engaged in the devotional service of Krishna is already on the Brahma Bhuta, or spiritual platform. The very name Krishna suggests piety and liberation. Anyone who takes shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna enters the boat for crossing over the ocean of nations. For him, this vast expanse of the material manifestation becomes as insignificant as the water in a calf's hoofprint. Krishna is the shelter of all great souls, and he is also the shelter of the material worlds. For one who is on the platform of Krishna consciousness, Vaikuntha, or the spiritual world, is not far away. He does not live within this material world where there is danger at every step. In this way, Krishna consciousness was fully explained to Maharaj Prikshit by Shukadev Goswami as he recited to the king the statements and prayers of Lord Brahma. These descriptions of Lord Krishna's pastimes with his coward boys 
his eating with them on the bank of the Jamuna. And Lord Brahma's prayers unto him are all transcendental subject matters. Anyone who hears, recites, or chants them surely gets all his spiritual desires fulfilled. Thus, Krishna's childhood pastimes, his sporting with Balaram and the coward boys in Vrindavan were described. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 14th chapter of Krishna, prayers offered by Lord Brahma to Lord Krishna. Bravo! Comments, reflections, questions. Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Uh, so, in the in the story, we were talking about Govardhan very shortly, and um, we we said that the Gopas were singing Krishna's glories. Were the Gopas singing the Hare Krishna mantra? They sing in this chapter. They sing Rama Rama Mahabaho. In the text itself, it's more that they're they're always chanting his names in various ways, like addressing him, calling out to him, and so forth. Like the mantra in the chapter Rama Rama Mahabaho, and so forth. But everyone's the. I mean, the Maha. The <laughs> Anyone? In <laughs> Dabbing, okay. it's actually not different than Krishna. Just like the holy name of Krishna is not different than Krishna. So, they're always saying his name in different ways while they're playing with him and this and that. And it's not different from chanting the Mahamantra. Yeah, it comes in the next chapter. Rama Rama Mahabaho, Krishna Dushta, Vivarhana, Ito Vidura, Sumahad, Vanantalalis, Sankulam. The boy said, Oh Rama, Rama, mighty armed one. O Krishna, destroyer of the miscreants, not far from here is a very great forest filled with rows of palm trees. In the Namaskata of Rupa Goswami, the first name he, he chants is Agadamana. Agadamana. Agadamana Yashodananda.
have more work to do to go past the levels of 
Anartha Nivriti and come to the higher levels of devotional service. I would say one more thing. Just one more thing. And that is the Jamil. It's described by Vishwanath Chagavali Thakur and Jiva Goswami also. That because Ajamil did not chant those names of his son, thinking that he can become free from the reactions of the sins that he was doing, it was innocent. His chanting was innocent. And therefore, it came to the platform of Namabas. And he got the Namabas chanting is capable of giving one liberation from freedom activities. But applied to our situation in as neophytes in devotional service, uh, still, if we, if we make the mistake of thinking that I can continue to sin and chant Hare Krishna because when I chant Hare Krishna I get free from the sin, then that falls into the category of Namaparad and it doesn't give that liberating effect. I have the experience of my dear mother you know, when I went to take care of her and she was actually most of her life more or less inimical or at least against what I was doing and uh, she became very uh, much in pain because she had cancer terminal cancer and I came and I took care of her and uh, at one point she you know, I decided to make an experiment and read to her because, you know, there's only means thing you can talk about. Then she's like this, then we talk, and she was quite alert when we talked, but then she would go back into some almost going, looked like she was going to go. So I said, I'll, can I, do you mind if I read to you? Because I put her books, her spiritual books that she read next to her, but she couldn't do it. So I said, can I read to you? So she said, yes. So I started reading her the Krishna book. So over the years, I kept writing her letters. And in those letters, I would tell her what I was doing and this and that, the deities and this and that and the other thing. And after a while, I kind of gave up on doing that because she wasn't interested. So I told her what the weather was like and where I was and what I was doing and this and that. But then, when I started to read the Krishna book to her, she said, what is this, some kind of nursery rhyme you're saying? <laughs> so I thought, remember those letters I wrote to you and about, this is Krishna. I just, oh. She started to think about it. And then, uh, you know, and I was reading, like we were reading, I was trying to read it really nicely to her so she would, you know, stay awake and alert. So I wasn't paying attention to looking. So I looked up after the third day, started out with 15 minutes, then we went to half an hour, 45 minutes. And five hours a day. And it went, no, no, it went, it went to between two and three hours a day by the, by the time. And one time I looked up, and she was like this, on, on just the edge of the couch. <laughs> just like, I mean, it was like, I didn't get a picture of it, unfortunately, but she, looked, she, was, she went from this to this. And I watched Prabhupada take her out of her body. And then the, the eventful time came and she had to go into the bed. She was in a lot of pain. And her name came into my mind. Well, I didn't know it was her name, but her name was Nadine. So I thought I was putting her in bed one night, and I thought, Nandarani. I said, wow, that's far out. This is close to her name. It just came into my mind. So I wrote an uh, email to Shivaram Maharaj, 
and he had sent an email to me because I was writing him regularly. And they crossed in cyberspace. And when I, when I sent mine, his came in. And he said, why don't you ask your mother if she needs, wants to take initiation and might help her at a time like this. <laughs> I just lost it. I lost it. I took the letter to her and I read it to her. And she said, oh yes. Yes, I want this. I need this. Please arrange it. And then, I mean, I, I, then I remembered that my son was staying with her for a while and he used to say Hari Bol all the time. So then, as soon as I turned away, she said, Hari Bol. <laughs> First time I'd ever seen. And then, just after that, I was, I don't know when, how, how exactly it happened, but she looked at me and she said, Hare Krishna. And it was the first time she'd ever said the, the word. And I was almost knocked off my feet. The sound was so powerful. And then when she went towards the end and it got really painful, she was chanting Hare Krishna in that pain. And I have no doubt about it that that was pure chanting. Because if you chant, even if you're ignorant, if you chant under circumstances that you're very, very distressed or very, very in pain or very, very helpless and you just chant like that, then it all finished. Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, hey, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman, Nachari Armarman.